0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, download the Dogwood Church app or visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, download the Dogwood Church app or visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Welcome to the Dogwood Church podcast. For more information, download the Dogwood Church app or visit dogwood.church. We hope that today's message encourages you to take your next best step in following Jesus.
1: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Fifty years ago, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but fifty years ago, uh, the summer following my graduation uh, from high school, I made a public recommitment of my life to Christ as as I came to understand that He wanted more from me just than... Uh, to commit my life to Him as a child, that He wanted me to follow Him as the Lord and God and leader of my life. And so I made a major readjustment of my relationship to Christ. In fact, it was on Thursday evening, August the 9th, 1970, uh, this coming uh, just a week away from when you are hearing me today. And I'm going to go to the very place where I celebrated, um, where I made that commitment uh, this next week and celebrate that, I'm going to re-up for the next number of years that the Lord leaves me on the planet. And it was a transforming recommitment of my life to Christ, readjustment of my life to Jesus, where I came to Christ as a little boy. And that next year, moving on into my freshman year in college and throughout that next year, uh, I had a vibrant time uh, with Christ. I even began to sense that that God was calling me to the ministry. And I said yes. I said yes to God. I eagerly said yes uh, to the Lord. Uh, and then uh, I moved back to the campus to begin my second year of college. Now, I made a lot of good friends in college, a lot of people that I loved and still love and, and care for, many of them unbelievers, many of them uh, not believers at all, but very precious and valuable to God and very precious and valuable uh, to me. And I, I had hoped to, be, uh, to influence them uh, to place their faith in Christ and follow Him. Uh, also. And that was my intent, and that's how I how I started out. But uh, slowly, gradually, uh, over that year, uh, the unbelievers in my life began to be the influencers in my life, and I ceased to become the influencer in their lives. And again, slowly and gradually, I began to drift and wander away from my uh, relationship to Christ and my commitment to Him, and I, I woke up one day and realized that I had done things and said things and 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 uh, violated uh, violated commitments uh, that I had made to myself and to the Lord Jesus that I said I would never break, and I I, I had fallen into habits and lifestyles of sinful disobedience to the Lord, and I found myself far away from Christ. And I needed help. I mean I needed I I needed someone to help me turn uh turn back to him. Well you know we we all followers of Jesus have a problem. Now that the great classic Christian hymn, Come thou fount of every blessing says it this way in one of the uh, words and uh, phrases in that great hymn. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We, Even those of us who have been saved, who have denied ourselves, taken up our cross, followed Jesus, been and loved Him, we, we we, still, because we are not perfect and live in this earth and have our own bodily tendencies, leftovers of uh, the effects of sin on our life, we have a tendency to wander away from the God who loves us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we find ourselves there, we don't always know how to come back, and we need outside help. Well, I'm going to give you that help today. No doubt there are, there are many, many, many of you who are in this condition today. I have been there. I know what it's like. We are in our final week of our series through the book of James called Tough Times: uh, Tough Faith for Tough Times, and uh, we've been walking through the book of James learning how to live out our faith in Christ uh, and, be- and become better instead of bitter uh, in hard times, difficult times, uh, letting the Lord Jesus teach us. Now, over just the past couple of weeks, we have been reminded that back in the day, uh, James, the, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, First-century church at Jerusalem uh, had written to the young Jewish Christians, primarily young Jewish Christians who had scattered across that part of the world into the churches in in different uh, areas because of the the persecution of the church at the time. He had he had written to many of them. Now, many of them were poor, and many of them were oppressed by more uh, wealthy, powerful people, and they had become weary of soul because of their suffering and oppression. And not only that, they had become sinful. They had become sinful. They began to blame God. They began to curse against God. They began to grumble against uh, other people. And they had become uh, sinful uh, toward God and toward other people. And when we're in tough times, uh, like we are in today, we can find that we may make the wrong choice and wander away. And we find that we have Wandered away from God. Well, those Jewish Christians needed, in James' day, uh, some instruction on how to turn back to Christ and how to help each other turn back to Christ. We need the same thing today. You can read about it. Take your Bible and locate the book of James, chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. These are the last recorded words of uh, James uh, that we We have uh, verses 19 and 20. It's going to be on the screen. Here we go. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is God's Word. Uh, Let me give you a big point here. You can save people from death and from the destruction of future sins if you will lovingly restore them to their relationship to Christ. Gently, lovingly, uh, uh, meaningfully restore them to their relationship uh, to Christ. And so some truths from this passage. Jot this down, first of all. Sometimes, as I've said, followers of Jesus stray away. They backslide. Now James is speaking to fellow Christians here, brothers and sisters in the faith, he says there. He's speaking of disobedient followers of Christ, people who've already been saved, but yet they wander away. Uh, and uh, although the principles and the priorities that we see in this passage also uh, apply to our, our loving pursuit uh, of and ministry to unbelievers to try to bring them to faith in Christ in the first place. So he says here is if any among you strays from the truth. So he's talking about his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now when he speaks of the truth, he means what we are to believe and how we are to behave. It means right believing, right understanding, right worldview, right values... Uh, right commitments, right convictions uh, informed by God's Word, and the right ways of living that come from being in Christ. So he says straying from the truth means to stray away from thinking right and living right. It's both and. And in John uh, chapter 3, verse 21, and in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, both of these passages uh, speak about doing the truth, doing the truth. And uh, how, what we believe and how we, how we behave. And so, um, if we don't believe the right things, if we have stinking thinking, if our thinking goes the wrong way, it'll show up in how we live. It, is, it matters what you believe. Sometimes you'll hear, hear people say, Well, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, that's sincere baloney. It does matter what you believe. Because what you believe will work its way out in how you relate to people, how you will live your life, how you will relate to to the Lord Jesus Christ and and in everything that you do. And so um, what does it mean, Pastor, to wander away? Well, it means what you think it does. Again, this is what uh, the old Christian devotional writers called backsliding. It means sliding back into the ways of thinking and the ways of living that we had before we were saved, before we were Christians, before we became followers of Christ. Now, Jesus, uh, in in Matthew chapter 18, uh, gives us the parable of of a sheep that had wandered astray from the shepherd and its flock. It's the very same word here. And so when that one sheep uh, that Jesus described had had wandered um, astray... Uh, that meant he was lost. He was lost from the protection of the shepherd. He was lost from the fellowship and the uh, enjoyment and the company uh, of his fellow sheep. He, he was lost to the provision that he needed for the basics of life, of food and water and protection. Uh, he was exposed to the dangers of the wilderness, of sickness, of injury, and and uh, the potential of of death. That's what happens when we wander away from right thinking and, uh, uh, about Jesus and right living with Him. Now, the, James, one way to look at his entire letter to us is that he has spent the entire letter describing <clears throat> what a person who has wandered away from Jesus, a, a Christian who's wandered away, what they do, how you can tell them. And he, some things like this, you can go back and just walk through the five chapters. He says that they misuse their speech. They, they are full of jealousy. They blame God for their temptation, and they get mad at God in tough times. They uh, have a desire for social status uh, over the care of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They're involved in a, they're in a lot of personal conflict. They're full of judgmental criticism and self-indulgent indulgent materialism, and they use and abuse people for their own gain. And they're full of impatient grumbling and prayerlessness and stubborn refusal to admit their own sinfulness, sinful pride, and and resisting God. Just to give a very quick list of what he says here. Now, in the Bible, over and over throughout the Bible, uh, we are warned as followers of Jesus of the dangers of slipping away from a close, obedient relationship to Christ. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, says that you and I must be diligent. I mean, diligent and intentional, or we will let the right things that we have heard and the right things that we have received from Christ slip away. Slip away. Uh, we, we, we must be diligent. We must be intentional. I mean, one of the great examples in history and in the, the history of the Bible is uh, the disciple Simon Peter uh, on that great scene um, at, the Lord, at, the, at the Last Supper, the night before Jesus was betrayed. Uh, Simon Peter boldly stood and, and declared to Jesus that he would never, ever deny him. He would die for him. He would never, ever deny him. And, um, and Jesus warned him, yes, you, you will. And Simon, but Simon thought he was telling the truth. But one thing that Simon did not realize is that he, he, over a period of time, had been drifting in his relationship to Christ. Now, he was, I think, uh, I'm convinced, was the most surprised person when he heard himself later on in the wee hours of that uh, morning, next morning, cursing and denying that he ever knew Jesus. But yet he did. Yet he did. He did what he thought and said he would never do. And so do we. And so do you. And so have you. And so have I, as I've already testified uh, in the past in in my life. Now James says, this is wandering. Sometimes Christians wander away, fall away from Christ. And here's the second thing we learn in this passage. Jot this down. Tough faith. Tough faith forged in the furnace of tough times that chooses rightly to follow Jesus. Tough faith takes the initiative to bring people back, to turn them back. Look at verse 19. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, back. Someone should bring them back. Someone should bring her back. Someone should bring him back. Someone should try to be bringing you back. And I'll bet there's somebody and some people that the Lord has placed in your life, in your family, in your friendships, in your church family, uh, his people who uh, are trying to bring you back. Don't resist them because this is the will of God for you and for them. However, let me speak to all of us Christians uh, one more time. Our tendency, rather than doing the uh, somewhat risky uh, 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 work of lovingly trying to restore people and bring them back, our tendency is just to let them go. To let them go or to avoid the subject or or worse than to condemn them or gossip about them or criticize them harshly to other brothers and sisters in Christ. To talk about them rather than talk to them but remember Christians we don't talk about people we talk to people we don't talk about people we talk to people you got that say it we don't talk about people we talk to people we talk to people with integrity and love and grace uh, but our tendency is to complain about them or worse reject them or or worse write them off write them off but god through the pen of the of the pastor of pastor james here says that it is the responsibility of every follower of jesus to lovingly and graciously seek to bring them back to right thinking and right living with jesus it is, it is it's not so, Pastor, I thought that's why we hired you. Nope, you hired me to tell you to do it. <laughs> and so I am to do it, but every Christian, this is the job description of every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so take a look uh, at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing or sin, you who are spiritual, that just means, not, not super spiritual, that just means you who are rightly related to Jesus and you're genuinely trying to walk with Him, live with, rightly with Him in obedience uh, in your own life. You who are spiritual, restore such a person with a what? Gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. And so what do you do in this spirit? I recommend this be your memory verse for the next month. Uh, What do you do? You pray for them. You pray for them. You pray for them. And and then following, uh, watching out for yourselves, following serious personal uh, soul-searching and self-inventory. And after the personal confession of sin that we've talked about the last two weeks, in full awareness of your own sinfulness of your own sinfulness making sure that you are right with Christ yourself and that all of your motives and actions are as pure-hearted as they can possibly be you go to them privately you don't confront them on social media this is privately this is privately and you and you talk with them and you 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 lovingly try to show them their Their sin, and you warn them of the dangers, and you plead with them to turn around because so much is at stake for them and everyone else, and you speak the truth to them, but in love and grace, you tell them that you love them, that Jesus loves them, and you ask them to turn around in their thinking and acting and to come back to Christ, come back to a relationship with him, come back into fellowship with him in community with your brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. now some of you are thinking right now, well, pastor. Who am I to confront another person about their sin? I'm I'm not perfect. Well, of course you're not. No you're not. Neither am I. This is why you are the perfect person to do this. Because everyone who has been saved by the grace of Christ, not as a result of works, all of us who have been kept into in a relationship with Christ by his love and grace and acceptance, not because we are du- we are a good person and always perfect. Uh, When we know we are saved and kept by the grace of God, uh, we have no ability to look down on another person. We're aware of our sinfulness. And we just know that we've received the grace of Christ and that we want them to receive the grace of Christ. You are a child of God who has been commanded to do this. That's who you are. To do this lovingly, firmly, consistently. In the name of Christ. But pastor, isn't this judging people to tell them they're doing something wrong? No. No, it is not. It's the opposite. We'll say, well, what is judging? Judging is condemning another person. uh, Passing sentence on them. It is rejecting them. Being angry with them. In a condemning, rejecting way. No, this is loving restoration. Speaking the truth in love, with the desire to pursue their full reunification with Christ and full reunification with their brothers and sisters in Christ, in your life group and in our church family. In our church family. This is the way that fellowship is built. And so we are to make the commitment uh, to pursue this loving restoration of sinful people into the community in the church and to never give up. Well, why, Pastor? Well, it's the third, here, the third big point, third one. Here's why. Because if you do, you will prevent their death and you will prevent many sins in the future. Much of the work of Christ in our lives uh, is prevention. Uh, he, he does things in us that, that therefore cause terrible things in the future not to happen that would have happened. But when you turn someone back to Christ, a backsliding, uh, disobedient child of of God through faith in Christ, and you turn them back to obedience and full fellowship, James says here you prevent their premature death or a living death and you prevent many, many future sins that would not only harm them but may even harm the entire world. Take a look at verse 20. Let that person know... That whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Well, let's talk, whoa, save his soul from death? What does he mean there, Pastor? Well, there's a strong possibility in the Bible that he is referring to physical death here. He's referring to physical death here. Now, there's two ways this can happen. When the, when children of Christ become disobedient, children of Christ and depart from Him, uh, one of the, the themes in the New Testament is the um, is the theme called the sin unto death. The sin unto death. Now, this is, so what is that, Pastor? Well, here's a very quick definition. This is when a follower of Jesus decides to disobey Jesus. I mean, a known follower of Christ. And they publicly become so rebellious against the will and the ways of God that they become a hindrance to other people knowing the grace of God. They become an embarrassment to Christ. They begin to hinder the purposes of God um, and, and hinder the lives of people in such a way that God says, okay, son, okay, daughter, I'm just come on home. I'm going to bring you on home. I'm going to take. Now, they don't lose their salvation. He doesn't throw them out of the family, but he does say, come on in the house. Uh, when I was a little boy, one day I, we were playing in the neighborhood. We had a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And for some reason, I, I tended to get along with and enjoy people even as a kid. But on one particular day, I was particularly ornery. And um, I was not behaving well uh, with all the other kids in the neighborhood out in the house and, and so uh, out in the yard and so my dad was home it was on the weekend and so everybody was playing and having a big time and we, I kept getting into stuff with people and I heard the back door open and my father said Keith come on in the house and he called me in the house and he said you go to your room you'll be in the house the rest of the day well I knew why I I was his child and I was causing so much trouble out in the yard, and he picked up on it. He was not going to have it. And finally, I hit, I hit the, his limit, and he said, come on in the house. Sometimes Christians depart from the ways of God. They become, and they're, they're visible enough that God determines they're causing too much trouble, causing too much pain. Too much of an embarrassment and hindrance to the work of of Christ in the hearts and lives of people and God's redemptive purposes in the world that they prematurely die. He brings them on home. So, Pastor, have you ever seen that? I think I have. Are you going to tell us about it? No, I'm not. But I think I have several times across these almost 50 years of ministry. And uh, it's there, so he could be talking about, he could be talking about this: a Christian who is a backslider is in danger of premature physical death, uh, either because God brings him on home, or, mo- or most likely because of your own foolishness. You begin to live in ways that are very foolish, and you naturally put yourself in a position to be taken out of this world. So, to turn someone back, James here says. You may be saving them from a premature physical death. Premature physical death, but also there's another way to look at this. He could be saying that they are. Uh, the Bible also speaks of uh, of a living death. Uh, he speaks of uh, an atmosphere in which we live, an atmosphere of uh, reject of, of turning from from uh, obeying Christ, and we move into a a life of frustration and despair and guilt and shame and depression. Uh, and we find it, that we don't have the joy of the Lord in our lives, and it is a living death. It may very well be here that he is saying that one who is turned back from wandering is one who is saved from a living death, a life of waste and a life of emptiness. You see, a Christian who is away from Christ is the most miserable person in the world. I mean, the quickest way to unhappiness is to be a compromising, disobedient, backsliding follower of Jesus. I mean, that's an oxymoron. How can I be a disobedient follower of Jesus? Well, a disobedient Christian, you're you're just miserable. You're miserable. Some of you are miserable in your faith because you have been willingly disobeying your Lord. I'm talking Christians already. No wonder you're so miserable. Well, someone who if, would turn back or be turned back or saved from a living death. Well, verse 20 goes on to say this also. Whosoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will cover over a multitude of sins. One thing is clear here. When we lovingly restore misbehaving Christians to a right relationship with Christ and with open arms welcome them back into the guilt-free fellowship of our of our church family and our, our life group and our our ministry team. Many sins are forgiven by Christ as people repent and also many future sins are avoided. Many future sins are avoided. I mean all the big ones. Murders are avoided, lying is avoided. Stealing, coveting, sexual immorality, uh, hatred, gossip, um, uh, use and abuse of people. I mean, people are changed, and and God prevents incredible evil from happening in the future because you are forgiven and restored. Uh, They never happen. So the humble, loving restoration of backslidden. Christians and the humble reaching out to unbelievers who are far from God saves them all from destruction and builds community. This is how God changes people for the better. This is how God changes and builds uh, local churches for the better. This is how God changes communities and cities and nations for the better, is God's people lovingly restoring Uh, wandering believers back to full walking with Christ in relationship to each other. Now, why should we do this, Pastor? Why must I do this? Well, here's why. Because there are people that you know and people that you love and people that you like who have wandered away from Jesus. They are followers of Christ, but they are disobedient. They've been on your mind this whole talk this morning, and they are in danger of death, either in premature physical death or a living death, or both, and they are in danger of causing much destruction in the future if they continue down this path, present and eternal. And you have been given the mandate to snatch them out of the fire and prevent this from happening by uh, bringing them back to experience the loving arms of Christ who uh, who in the Bible says, if you will turn around with open arms, I will welcome you back. He is right there. We do that. Why do we do this? It's because we're in the people business. Dogwood Church, we are in the people business. And our product uh, is wonderfully transformed lives, making more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people in this world. So, what's James saying in this final sentence? What's he saying? He's saying, Do the work. Do the work. Now, let me say to those of you. Who are hearing me? And you know you've been you've wandered away from Christ. So, well, Pastor, how do I come back? Uh, it's a, it may have been a long journey away from Christ, but it's a short journey back because He follows you. Again, He says, uh, "When you turn around, if you will turn back with open arms, I will welcome you back." You turn around right now in your heart, and say, "Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry. I do. I don't. I am. I have sinned." I have embarrassed you. I have broken your heart. I have ruined my testimony. Um, I I need to come back to you. And you go through the confession of sin with Him that we have described. You've heard me me describe that process scores of times as your pastor. And then maybe you might need to make confession to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Our confession to fellowship Needs to be as public as our sin has been. Only as public as our sin has been. Now, so do that. Now, you believers, I'm asking you to make the commitment. Just say, Lord Jesus, this sounds scary to me. To practice loving restoration of uh, disobedient believers. But you've commanded me to do it. Uh, will you give me, that? will you be at work in me to make me willing and give me the power to do it. I commit to be your instrument of snatching people out of the fire. Now Some of you have never come to Christ. What do you do? Well, that means that you become a Christian. You pray something like this. You say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent of my sin. I, I give up living my self-centered, self-directed, uh, self-righteous life. And I need you. Come into my life as my forgiver. Forgive me of my sin. Come in in my Savior. Come into my life as my Lord and my God and take control of me. To the best of my understanding, I give myself to you. I want to follow Jesus. And you do that. You do that right now. If you've done any one of these things, let me know. Go to the link on the screen, dogwood.church slash commit to our commitment card. And give me your contact information. Fill out that information there. Check the statement that, that indicates the commitment that you've made or email me or text me or one of the other pastors on our staff and we will help you with these things. Well, God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, so help us. Help us not to wander. Help us to stay close to you. But when we do wander, Lord, grant us grace even in the form of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who would come to help turn us back to you, that we may return. Lord, we are prone to wander. We feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. So help us not to do so. And when we return, help us to stay on the path. And Lord, give us grace and love and compassion for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have wandered away, that we may not leave them alone, but seek to restore them for their good and for your glory, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. God bless you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information and to access other messages, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, text keyword DOGWOOD on your smartphone to 77977 or click the Give button online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices to stay connected to all the latest podcasts, videos, and events from Dogwood.